Hello, hello, and welcome to another episode of the Pick and Play Podcast, NFL edition, and to break down the NFL through the entirety of the season. Leo, how you doing? I was up late last night watching that Titans game. We'll get to that later, but man, I almost had a heart attack last night. We almost didn't have a podcast today. <laughs> almost didn't have it. Well, you know, I, I would have had to drag your corpse into this so I could have poked fun at you, because... Uh, <laughs> Yeah, I, I, I still owe you from last playoffs. Uh, we will play each other during the year. Uh, so today, just to give everyone a quick breakdown of the agenda, we're going to break through news and notes of the 16 games that we got over the weekend. Well, 15, right? We already did Thursday, uh, which was a delectable amount. Then we're going to hit the panic button. I know it's week one. There are some still things to panic about. Uh, we're going to walk through injuries if they're big, if they're small, if they're important, if they're not. Then we're going to break down a couple key games coming up this weekend and then close on the Thursday night game. So, without further ado, let's break into our first news segment. Leo, take us away. All right, so I'm going to start us off with uh, Chiefs-Texans. I know that we already touched on this game a little bit. It's the one game that we did touch on. I was really impressed with Mahomes and the Chiefs. The offense, they looked like they were in midseason form. Uh, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire looked impressive, every bit as impressive as all the fantasy experts were saying he was going to look. And, A, I, I give credit to all the fantasy experts because on this show we said we were unsure of him, and he looked great in his debut. We'll see how the season goes, but the debut looked good. Uh, the Texans' offense, it looked a little shaky without DeAndre Hopkins. I know Will Fuller still put up a good stat line, but it was – it was a little bit of empty calories for me. And David Johnson looked pretty good in his debut. Uh, in fantasy, I, I would be taking a look at David Johnson if you can buy low on him now. I think that that offense might not be that good this year, but it looks like they're going to flow through him. Um, moving on to Jags Colts. This was one I had my eye on because of the AFC South implications. You know that I'm a Titans fan. I had eyes on this matchup just to see how the division rivals were looking, and it didn't look that... Uh, let me let me be fair. The Jags look good. They look good. I shit on Gar Gardner Minshew earlier this summer saying that I didn't see anything from him. He didn't impress me. Yada, yada. You can listen to the old episodes. Gardner Minshew was shredding that Colts defense up. I think he had one incompletion for the day. Uh, undrafted free agent James Robinson at running back replacing Leonard Fournette. He was looking great. Uh, he, he, sh he showed some flashes. I think we kind of got a glimpse of why Jacksonville was okay with letting Fournette go. Uh, on the other side for the Colts, Rivers, if you just look at the counting stats, it looks like he had a decent game. Looks like he had a pretty good game. Actually goes over 300 yards. If you actually watched it, though, eh is what I got out of that performance. You know, Philip Rivers, he throws a couple picks. He got one called back on a penalty, but he made some big mistakes. At the end of the game, it was Philip Rivers trying to win it for you like it was in San Diego and L.A. for all that time, and he didn't get it done. So Rivers, Rivers didn't look as great as maybe Colts fans were hoping for, and that's about what I expected. Uh, shout out to Marlon Mack. Uh, he tore his Achilles, I believe, uh, in the first quarter of that game. That's my boy, a USF alum. I, I really feel terrible for him because he was shredding in the first quarter before he goes down. And lastly here I have Pat's Dolphins. I don't have too much on this one. Cam Newton is back. That, that's all. That, those are my notes for this game. Cam Newton's back. 
He led the team in rushing for the game. He kind of gave the Patriots a little swagger that you haven't really seen in a little while, and I guess that's to be expected when it comes to, to Cam Newton. Uh, on the defensive side of the ball, we kept hearing about how oh, the Patriots, they've had so many opt-outs. They've been decimated by the pandemic. This defense won't be the same. Bill Belichick showed everyone why they're fucking idiots. This defense still looked great. They made Fitzpatrick look pitch tragic. It's about what I expected. For me, I've covered the first game I had was Jets-Bills. Now, with the Jets and the Bills coming in, uh, I have a lot of at stake when it comes to Josh Allen, who owns who owns the two worst throws of week one, period. Josh Allen missed wide open wide receivers in the end zone twice, completely overthrowing them ball into the stands. With that being said, the defense was dominant, uh, took over a hapless Jets uh, team. That Jets team spent all offseason uh, minimizing its players with any talent, and the ones it couldn't minimize because they were just simply too good, they traded away. Uh, if they weren't part of that package, they didn't make the cut, and they're probably not a very good player, and thus reside still on the Jets roster for Adam Gase to further devalue. Uh, the Jets are going to struggle for wins all season. The Bills looked exactly the same Bills that we had last year. Uh, they controlled the ball on offense. They had 21 points at half, only six points after, which might be a little alarming considering what the Jets bring to the table on offense and defense, which isn't much. Uh, the just Jets team is a very low ceiling, a very low floor. I, I'm, I'm not sure this why I didn't immediately try to pick this team to be the first uh, to uh, one of the teams to go winless, but here they are. Uh, and I'll finish that with Josh Allen is not a good quarterback. Uh, next game, Packers and Vikings. This is Aaron Rodgers' revenge tour taking off right out of the gate. 43-34 total. Uh, Vikings defense has a lot of problems. They have a lot of new pieces, so it may just need time to gel. Uh, unfortunately, the Packers instantly get a win against them. It's very critical to this division to take wins against the Vikings. They seem to be the tiebreakers in most seasons. Who can beat the Vikings? tends to make the or make and win the division, uh, make the plus one division, and teams that do not beat the Vikings tend to get left out in the cold. Uh, that bar is instantly set. The Packers are here to shit on your dreams. If drafting a quarterback in the early rounds of this uh, this season's draft uh, was the plan to irritate and piss off Aaron Rodgers, congrats, it worked. But as we take a look deeper, this is a very talented team that probably could have used one or two more pieces to push them over the edge, but the team went in a different direction. Uh, we are speaking to Aaron Rodgers locked in, and Green Bay looks to be in control of this division to start. Uh, the second game of this division, which is, features the Bears and the Lions, which, two hapless teams. Not really sure why anybody sets out to begin the year going, one of these teams is going to be sneaky good. They're not. They're not well coached. They don't have a ton of talent. And they got quarterbacks that are eh, hit or miss. So in this game finishes 27-23 Lions where 27-23 uh, Bears with the Lions, Matthew Stafford, uh, hits Swift right outside of the goal line, which should have been an easy walk-in touchdown. Doesn't happen. He drops the ball. Lions, Lions. It's actually kind of crazy. Every single year we come across week one, every single team that's hapless thinks that they're going to be in a position to be the one breakout star. And as we continue to go through this list, you're going to find out that all of those teams lost. Well, minus one, but we told you they'd be good and we'll get to them in a little bit. All right. So next up, we got Seahawks Falcons. What did everyone with a mic, everyone with eyes, anyone who watches the NFL say all offseason? Let Russ cook. And that man cooked. He cooked. The, the, 
they finally let him do his thing. They finally let him get big attempts. It was a shootout against the Falcons. We, I believe, predicted that this would be a shootout. Um, we saw a big game from Matt Ryan and their wide receiver group as usual. Also, as usual, we saw the Atlanta defense fail to get stops when they needed to. Big game for Russ. Uh, big game for, for Chris Carson on the receiving end of two touchdowns. And DK Metcalf, man, he just looks like he's ascending. Every time I see DK Metcalf, he looks like he got a little bit better than the last time I saw him. I'm, I'm really curious what the ceiling is for DK because if he can ascend into one of the top receivers playing with a top three quarterback, shit might get a little scary over there in Seattle. So I like what I saw from the Seahawks. It pretty much got what I expected from the Falcons. And moving on to Browns-Ravens. I actually think you're kind of funny for letting me get this game. <laughs> I feel like you should be the one talking about this one. Yeah, but, I thought it was funny too. Lamar Jackson improves to 20-3 and as the starting quarterback for the Baltimore Ravens. Uh, another one that we predicted accurately, I believe, on our week one preview, we said that we expected to see much of the same that from these teams from where they started last year. Ravens started strong. Browns got blown out to start last season. That's exactly what we got this year. Ravens blow the Browns out. It wasn't even close. I turned this game off by halftime. Uh, one thing that did stick out to me, though, is that there was a lot of talk this offseason about how Mark Andrews might be a, a candidate to regress a little bit. Mark Andrews said, shut that shit up with two touchdowns. I, I, was, impre- I was impressed all around. Uh, J.K. Dobbins, he looked really good. Mark Ingram looks like he's taking a little backseat early. Tell me what you think about that, actually. What do you think about the split there at running back? It looked like J.K. was getting more of the, uh, more of the, fav- more of the juicy touches. Uh, I think Mark Ingram's going to need a little more time to ramp up. Uh, he's a veteran. His body normally follows a rhythm. Didn't really get that rhythm this year, so it may take some time. Uh, but we also see why the Ravens normally stay ahead of the curve when it comes to everyone else. Uh, they draft that rookie running back. They use him in week one. Uh, they also still have two other running backs on the depth chart, so this may be something that they were uh, leaning into a little early. Maybe saw some signs from Camp that that leg injury from Mark Ingram is going to be a long-term hindrance. That's tough. I, I like Lamar. Lamar just continues to impress me, really. That's what I got out of this game. If there was any thought or if there was any doubt about what he did last season, he kind of showed you that not only was last season not a fluke, but he might have another level to go to. I saw a stat, and I really wish I could see who tweeted, or I really wish I wrote down who tweeted this, but I saw a stat that Lamar Jackson was second in the NFL on opening weekend in passer rating in the pocket. Yeah. That is amazing. Yeah. If the Ravens can get that all year for his whole career, sheesh. Uh, You know, we'll talk about Lamar in a little bit, but you are seeing someone who's getting better every single season he shows up. That's kind of what you look for in a superstar. So, he's running with that. Uh, Game I had 4 o'clock slate. I had Bengals and Chargers. (sighs) You know, the real thing I took away from this game is this is a battle of bad offensive lines. Uh, they really couldn't hold anything up on either side. And the Bengals don't really have a great pass rush. Now, the Chargers do, but it just was a sloppy, ugly game. 16-3 final with A.J. Green having a questionable push-off call. OPI is something we're seeing around the NFL. We're going to break that down later. Spoiler. I didn't like that. Just to throw that out there, uh, I didn't like that OPI call. Spoiler alert. I love all the OPI calls. Fuck them. It's their time to get fucked. The defense has gotten fucked for years. So... Uh, I don't see a lot of upside with either one of these teams. Um, 
I don't really think that the Chargers and Bengals have any chance of winning seven games each, especially after the way that showed up. You have Joe Burrow, rookie season, rookie game coming out, and you have to pretty much beg for a win. They miss a field goal at the end, which was another theme. Um, I'm not really sure what we're going to get out of either of these teams that's going to be exciting. There may be exciting moments. Don't expect to be an exciting finish. I think that these are two teams with seven win max upsides in the Chargers case. In the Bengals case, I really see this as a five-win team. Uh, flipping to a game that we it, I did predict as a, as a, as a potential upset, uh, the Washington uh, football team beating up on the hapless Philadelphia Eagles. The Eagles, you did, you did call that. Credit to you. The Eagles' offense of this was a mismatch in the trenches. Eight sacks for the Washington football team. This was the most impressive single unit in all of Sunday football. There was no team that went out and no no unit of people, I'm saying defensive line, linebackers, did their job better than what Washington did on defense. That's in the face of uh, Ron Rivera dealing with cancer, had to get an IV at halftime to keep his energy up. The halftime speech was given by Dwayne Haskins, who they turned around and took a 17-7 deficit and turned it into a 27-17 win over their rivals. They gave the Eagles a scare twice last year. This year, we see the new direction uh, of the team with Ron Rivera at the helm, and you get a win strong man in Ron Rivera great role model for everyone out there to look up to big win for Washington and now the Washington football team sits alone first place in the division the letdown of that division was unequivocally the Dallas Cowboys they played the Los Angeles Rams opening SoFi Stadium which they beat into our heads was a five billion dollar stadium as if that was something we gave a fuck about in the middle of a pandemic we did not do not fucking say how much it costs to put a stadium in the middle of las vegas while it's on fire i just not las vegas los angeles just get over yourself gotta do better than that uh jason garrett uh, could have still ran this offense. There was no difference. Uh, they continued to run the ball on first down when uh, they were very successful passing it on first down. They didn't feel like doing that. They felt like running the ball in a close game. Jared Goff's average depth of target was two yards. No, he is not a better player. No, he is not someone different. He is exactly who he's always been. This is a tale of us getting caught up in what could be looking at these teams but it just wasn't. Both of these teams, I believe, will hover around nine wins as a ceiling. The Dallas Cowboys have a lot to figure out. They lose Vander Esch uh, to a collarbone. The defense looked shaky at times. They really struggled covering sideline to sideline. I'm not sure why this team didn't unleash those weapons from the Cowboys' perspective, but once again, we're in another year where we look at a team with all this talent and it doesn't achieve we're going to have to start pointing the finger at Dak Prescott. Dak Prescott, man, that first game was a little rough. It was a little rough for his MVP chances. I want to see how he bounces back. But we had the battle of the backs in Las Vegas versus uh, Carolina. It was CMC versus Josh Jacobs, essentially. Uh, I thought that they both looked good on the day. I thought that 
both of these teams, neither of these teams are playoff teams. I'm not going to lie to you. My TV was not on this game for more than maybe 10 minutes. But what I got out of it was that Teddy Bridgewater makes this Panthers offense at least respectable. Last year with Kyle Allen, they looked like a shit show. They couldn't pass the ball anywhere down the field, anywhere past maybe 10 yards down the field. Teddy Bridgewater had a he had a little pep in his step over there. He, he had a little juice. He showed some mobility, scrambling in the pocket. Again, I don't really expect anything from this Panthers team this year, but it was nice to see Teddy Bridgewater getting his first start since last year, but really his first start on his own team since he broke his leg on the Vikings. I was happy to see him out there and performing well. Uh, the Raiders offense, Derek Carr, he spread the ball around on the day, but like I said earlier, this was the Josh, this was the Josh Jacobs show. Excuse me. Uh, he finishes the day with three touchdowns. Uh, again, I don't expect much from the Raiders this year. I guess they could fight for a wild card, but they're not a team that I'm looking at too hard when it comes to the playoffs this season. Uh, and then we have our marquee matchup, at least the marquee matchup to me, which was Bucks saints I think that most people would have expected this to be a shootout, touchdowns going back and forth, but from my vantage point, it was more of a defensive battle. The Saints' defense, they got... Brady uncomfortable. They didn't let him settle into the pocket. They were making him move around a little bit. As we know, Brady's in his 40s. He wasn't comfortable moving around in the pocket. And it really looked like to me that that was the Bucks' first game. To me, you could tell that that was Tampa's first game playing together. The chemistry with Mike Evans didn't look that great. The chemistry with Chris Godwin didn't look that great. The chemistry, surprisingly, with Scotty Miller looked great, but that's not going to help them win games. So I hope Brady can get that figured out. Uh, on the Saints side, Kamara gets paid and he produces in his first game after getting his contract extension. But overall, the offense didn't look good. I think that this Bucks D is going to be elite this year, and they started off pretty strong. I mean, it wasn't a perfect game, but they started off pretty strong against against the Saints offense that we expect to be elite. Uh, ultimately, though, both quarterbacks, Breeze and Brady, neither of them look very good. They look their age. And so that's something to keep an eye on as the season goes on. If they're going to look like they're 40, then I think we need to temper our expectations for these teams a little bit. Yeah, I, I'm I'm going to agree with you. I think old old man timber is going to be a – you're going to see a dramatic theme in the NFL this year, uh, and it's going to be the difference between the old quarterbacks that can't move and the young quarterbacks that can do it all. And I think we know which direction the NFL is going to end up at, at going in. Uh, and we saw that. Monday night, before your favorite game, uh, with Pittsburgh and Giants. Uh, the Pittsburgh Steelers bring back a vintage steel curtain, basically keeping Saquon Barkley to a half a yard a run, which was astounding. Uh, 12 rushes for six yards for Saquon. Big Ben had nine yards rushing. He outpaced Saquon. This is going to be a really good defense. Uh, the Steelers are not going to be a really good overall team, however. Uh, they instantly suffer an injury with James Conner. He goes down. Ben actually looked like he was hurt at one point, having to, looks like he put his knee back together. He actually reminds me a lot of Steve McNair when he played for the Ravens when we went 13-3. and um, it was, it was, we called him Mr. Potato Head because every time he got hit, it looked like he had to put himself back together. That's what I saw out of Pittsburgh. We saw some vintage Big Ben at times shoving people down. The offensive line for Pittsburgh is going to be an absolute nightmare going on this season. They were injured going 
into the game yesterday. It looked like they lost to Castro for some point. Banner, their right tackle, he's out for the season. Uh, the Pittsburgh Steelers hold on to win 26-16 in one of the most lackluster games I've seen. Bad decisions from Daniel Jones with not so great of a supporting cast. But once again, Jason Garrett rues the day, holding that team back. I think they could have gone to more of an attack style earlier. They got held back. Uh, Cards 49ers, this was the biggest, this to me was uh, one of the biggest pace setters for the season. Uh, the Arizona Cardinals begin their Kyler Murray MVP tour. He looked fantastic, and this is the way you need to do it. He ran for, uh, it would have been 100 yards. His kneel downs took some of his yards away. He would have ran for 100 yards, threw, uh, threw the ball excellently, threw it through a very tough defense. The San Francisco 49ers do not look in sync on offense. They do not look in sync on defense. I believe they will round into a better form. However, Jimmy G, Jared Goff, these are the same person. They're very limited in what they can do. They basically have these beautiful offenses set up with a quarterback that at all times holds them back. I'm, I'm really interested to see uh, who makes the decision first to pull the plug on Golf or Garoppolo because I really don't think either one of those teams, uh, I know they've been to the Super Bowl, but neither one of them have won the Super Bowl and they went to the Super Bowl back-to-back -back years. I'm wondering how far Jimmy G can actually take them. I would actually, um, crazy, crazy uh, pipe dream here, but it would be really cool to see the 49ers trade for Matthew Stafford and draw him in there. I think that's uh, I think that would propel them into the next level. As long as they have Jimmy G, though, that is going to hold them back and their season will suffer. I like that little Stafford trade you threw in there. I like that. That would be nice. Free Stafford. I just want to throw that out there. Free Matt Stafford. All right, so we have our last game of the week. It's Titans-Broncos, a game that almost killed me, quite literally. I was almost dead uh, <laughs> watching Steven Goskowski miss kick after kick after kick after kick. And I have to keep saying it because it was that many misses after kick. Goskowski goes one for four on the day on field goals, goes one for two on extra points. He leaves ten points on the board. This game between Tennessee and Denver was really closer than it should have been. I felt like Tennessee... It looked like the better team and they they looked like they were dominating after the first quarter but they just couldn't really get the kicking game going they couldn't finish drives in the end zone and so that resulted in a game that was closer than it had to be I want to give the Broncos credit on the game they they shut down Derrick Henry I know the counting stats at the end of the game you say Derrick Henry had 116 yards rushing you think that he had a decent game he didn't he, did he really got locked down. That was on 31 attempts. He's 3.7 yards per carry. So kudos to the Denver Broncos defense for really coming to play. Uh, they, they were tackling strong. They were doing great. Um, Drew Locke, your boy. Drew Locke, you've been excited about him all summer. I thought he looked good. The stats don't look amazing if you're just looking at the box score, but he was doing a good job avoiding pressure. Uh, the, the Titans were getting in the backfield, but they couldn't finish off because Drew Locke was showing his mobility, scrambling in the pocket, making plays when he had to. Uh, I was impressed by that. Melvin Gordon in his debut with the team looked okay. Uh, I, I wasn't too impressed. He had a couple good runs there. He scores a touchdown. Uh, they looked all right. I was most impressed with Noah Fant on Denver's side. He looked like a mismatch. Uh, Kevin Byard was struggling to keep up with him, and he's one of the better coverage safeties in the league. So I'm interested to see what Fant looks like in the long haul. 
But ultimately, the story of this game was Goskowski. Man, he he had me stressed out last night. I'm not going to lie. They kicked that 25-yarder at the end of the game to win it, and I was nervous. You shouldn't be nervous on a 25-yard chip shot. But I was nervous. In my head, I'm thinking, Vrabel, just hand it to Henry. Try to punch it in because I don't know about this kick. But the kick goes in. All is forgiven for this week. I'm going to go ahead and say that they should give Goskowski one more week, see if he can get his shit together next week against the Jaguars. If he can, I'm okay with keeping him. But if he's if he's shanking kicks left and right next week, he's got to go. He's got to go. But I'm going to look at this game from a glass-half-full perspective. In the past, this is a game that the Titans typically lose. Uh, things, you know, in the past, they fall apart. The Titans kind of shut down and we get a shit show after that. So it was encouraging to see a game where everything goes wrong and the Titans still find a way to win. I think that's what good teams do. Uh, Even when things don't go right, they find a way to win. And that's what the Titans did last night. So I'm at least encouraged by that as ugly as the game was. Everybody who went away from Bill Belichick lost, right? Goskowski, Brady, Gronk, they all took L's. Yeah, that's, yeah, pretty much. All right, I know it's one week and that's not really anything, but <laughs> you know Belichick was smiling somewhere. Fucking Belichick, that guy's a sick son of a bitch. All right, it had me thinking last night watching Goskowski miss all these kicks. My first thought was, if Bill didn't want to re-sign this dude, then we should have taken that as a sign. Yep. You know, if he wins three Super Bowls and Bill goes, ah, eh, I'll roll with someone else. Probably should have seen that as a sign. Yeah, there's going to be a lot that unfolds this year. I think the Bucks are going to take some time to get going. Um, I, I think a lot of these teams with new pieces are going to take time to get going. But let's break down the injuries that happened over the weekend. Um, there are some big ones that we want to draw attention to and talk about what they what they mean. I'll run through them right now. Now, to start the year, I went out and said, do not take any of the injured running backs. I, I was pretty staunch about that. I wouldn't take the people with injured pass because I just there's just too much talent to draw yourself to it. If you decided to say, Matt, fuck you. I'm not listening. I like their upside. Here's how you did. Marlon Mack's out for the year. James Conner's out again. Le'Veon Bell's now been put on IR. So the only one I'm missing is Todd Gurley. <laughs> so I, and as we're week one, and three of the big-time injured running backs look to be uh, possibly done for at least a few games, if not for the year. There's a reason you stay away from players with injury profiles in the NFL, and that's it. Uh, other, other players that got hurt we want to bring up, Michael Thomas, high ankle sprain, says he'll play through it. Leo, you worried? About Michael Thomas? Yep. I'm not so much worried about Michael Thomas because everything that I hear is that he was trying not to bring attention to his ankle after the game, so I I feel okay in that sense. But at the same time, if, if Michael Thomas misses any amount of time, I hate the Saints. I do not like, because at that point, then Kamara is the only option, really, unless you want to run offense through Emmanuel Sanders and Jared Cook, which I would not feel good about. We also have George Kittle, who took a hit to the knee. He says he's okay. Uh, he, he played the rest of the game, but wasn't a factor. If he's out, it, San Francisco's offense might be cooked. 
Um, I don't know if they have the ability to play defense. Defense is something that regresses year over year. It doesn't have to regress far for the 49ers to fall into an unfavorable position. It's a very, very heated division. They're already down 1-0. I don't think they can afford the loss of George Kittle. Um, there was... I know we're doing injuries real quick, yeah. but tell me, give me 30 seconds on Jimmy G and what you saw in this first week because what I saw – didn't look that great and i know that you just brought up the stafford trade so I, give me 30 seconds on jimmy g jimmy g's a quarterback who's limited by the system limited to the system you put him in and that means uh there are quarterbacks that will win you games there are quarterbacks that lose you games and there are quarterbacks that do as well as the system can do now in order to win the super bowl you normally need to you you have to be in the either I don't lose you games, or I win you games you're not supposed to win. Jimmy G is in the back half of the I don't lose you games. And he's starting to clip into the, well, sometimes I lose you games. And you just can't have that in the NFL. In the NFL right now, we have quarterbacks like Lamar Jackson, who's on year three, who looked yesterday incredible. Uh, Patrick Mahomes on year four, who just came off a Super Bowl. Deshaun Watson, who's on a team that does nothing but sabotage him. Kyler Murray in their own division, who's coming up very fast and looked very adept in year two. And we have stalwarts like Drew Brees, Tom Brady, Ben Roethlisberger, Aaron Rodgers, Russell Wilson. I'm sure I missed somebody. But that was 10 quarterbacks off the top of my head that are instantly better than anything Jimmy G could produce on any single week. Now, here's the problem. That's a third of the NFL, and you're not in it. How are you going to win games long term? How are defenses not going to adjust to you? They know you can only be the system. We saw it with uh, Jared Goff. Once he was figured out, the ball game was over. Once Jimmy G gets figured out, the ball game is over. I think that in the NFL, people cling to the past instead of looking to the future. There are good candidates they could have gone out and gotten. There are good candidates out there they could go and get. Jimmy G's not the answer. I'm sorry. And, and, and you know what? That doesn't mean you could put together a perfect performance where they win the Super Bowl. That can still happen. But Jimmy G, is go you, you have to be perfect everywhere else in order for him to win you that game. You just do. And that's my problem with quarterbacks nowadays, and that's why I'm so harsh on judging them. Because I just read off 10 people, everyone would take over him. You're telling me your quarterback isn't in the top 10. And then, and then you get into a whole fight. Who would you rather have, Jared Goff, Jimmy G? You want Josh Allen? You know, Then we get into this hodgepodge of, you want Ryan Tannehill? We get into a hodgepodge of people that are limited. You, you can't be in that. If, if I'm the 49ers, that's my one week. That's my glaring weakness. And you, there's no way to really fix it without something dramatic. Teams don't do that kind of dramatic thing. Could end up How being a really long year. How much better do they get if they acquire Stafford? Just for conversation's sake. Um, I think if you acquire someone like Matt Stafford, who's really never been on a team that's benefited him except for his young years when he had Megatron, he's it just I don't think Matthew Stafford's played with a hundred yard rusher for two games in a row or ever as a single player. Uh, you would get that almost instantly. The upgrade you would have, you would instantly be in that twelve to fourteen win range every year with Matt Stafford until he showed additional decline. That's where you would be just over Jimmy Garoppolo, in my opinion. 
Okay, I like it. So I like that that trade idea. I don't know where you cooked that one up from, but I like that. It was plucking someone off of a team that they don't deserve to be on and putting them on a team that they deserve to be on. Uh, it's like uh, every once in a while I look through things and I go, you know what would be great? It'd be great if this person got their justice. And their justice would be taking them out of a miserable city like Detroit and putting them into uh, San Francisco where they would be uh, flooded with the best coaches, the best facilities, um, and forward-thinking uh, people. Um, and, and, and he a little deserves that uh, for his talents and what he goes through in his personal life. So I just went, that makes sense to me. I would love to see it. I'll never get to see it, but fuck it. I, I, I'm going to put it into the ether and, and let, let's see what happens after that. So I'm looking at Matt Stafford on spot rack right now, and it looks like the Lions have an out in his contract after this season. I yep. can't imagine a scenario where they would actually do it, yeah. but it's possible. I think Maybe the f- they end up with the number one pick, you know, a little Trevor Lawrence. I think That's the, something to keep an eye on. I think the 49ers have an out in Garoppolo's also. So there's, there's, there's a little bit in the ether about this, but... Uh, I, it's just something I'd like to see. Let's move over to the panic button. We're in week one. A lot of people say there's tons of time. You hit the panic button now, and you're going to sound foolish later on. Unfortunately, there are some NFL principles that just don't go away, such as if your line's playing like dog shit, and then it gets riddled with injuries. If I'm the Philadelphia Eagles, I'm not hitting the panic button. I'm slamming it with my fist. I am trying to break that panic button. This was a line that came into Washington, beat up, and got mangled to the tune of eight sacks. If I'm the Philadelphia Eagles, I'm hitting the panic button on this line, and I don't know what you can do to fix it. There were a lot of line injuries yesterday. I don't know how you fix this, and that's why I'm really hitting the panic button. You started without your right tackle, without your left tackle, you lost your guard, you bring back Jason Peters, who looked old and slow. You wanted to play him interior. Now you got to play them back out. You're down three linemen. Most teams hold nine, so you're you're go you you have to immediately grab three players who you didn't really dream of starting, and they're going to be playing week two. They already played week one. They had more injuries as the game went on. If I'm the Eagles, I'm hitting the panic button on this season already. Uh, because I'm worried that this could get away. You don't have a good offensive line you can kiss goodbye. They also were down two of their defensive line starters. This is a team in the trenches that is dissolving before our eyes like cotton candy and water. And it may be too late to turn the ship around. Uh, you have anybody you want to you wanna nominate for a panic button in week one? So the team I'm really worried about going into week two, I'm going to smash. Well, I won't say smash. I'm going to tap the emergency button. Uh, is on the Colts. Uh, the Colts, they came out in week one against the Jaguars. They weren't that impressive, as I was saying earlier. They let Gardner Minshew do whatever the fuck he wanted to do out there. Uh, on the other end, Rivers just, he looked like Rivers from last year. And if you've listened to the episodes before this one, you know how I felt about Rivers last year. He was a walking corpse. So I'm, I'm looking at the Colts a little funny going into week two. Like you had a letdown week one. Your defense let Gardner Minshew and co. drop 27. Your offense didn't really move it on what is a really young defense right now in Jacksonville. I'm just concerned. I'm concerned. And maybe that's my bias because I hate the Colts. But 
for me, they, they underwhelmed in week one. And going into week two, I'm really watching them. Like I said, I'm going to lightly tap the emergency button. I'm not going to smash it. But I'll be ready to smash it if they lose to the Vikings in week two. They're the team I'm keeping my eye on because I picked them as a playoff team, I believe. I don't have my predictions in front of me, but I think I predicted them to go to the playoffs. Yep. And that is not looking so good after one week. No, some people had them as Super Bowl contenders, and we're going to get into a little more in-depth on the Colts as we've highlighted one of their games as a must-watch for the weekend. Uh, But let's break into one topic before we get into some NFL uh, game talk. Let's talk about OPIs. Uh, There was a rash of OPIs around the NFL this weekend. And OPI, for those of you who don't just know all the abbreviations of everything uh it's offensive pass interference now offensive pass interference is normally when the offensive player puts the defensive player in a position where the defensive player is at a disadvantage to make a comeback and catch the ball or break up the pass from the offensive player we saw this almost in every single game uh it must have been a point of emphasis and i'm going to tell you something thank god thank god i am sick and tired and tired and sick of offensive players being able to extend their arm from the defensive back and on a timing route and then turn around and make the catch. I'm sick of it. Don't extend your arm. You got a little hand fighting? Go up and win the point of attack, get the ball, and come down with it. This whole idea that as a wide receiver, I can turn back, know where the ball's going to be, and then I get to put my hand on the defender, extend it, which these are six, three humans. You're pushing them away at least two feet. You're definitely pushing them away further than their their arms can reach. Your arm reaches that far. And then they catch the ball. We saw multiple games Two games or an OPI influenced the end of the game. We saw A.J. Green do it to the Chargers, which was 100% OPI. And then we saw, was it um, uh, Michael Gallup Gallup doing it to Jalen Ramsey? And I got news for you. It's an OPI. Deal with it. Learn. Let me push back a little bit. Go for it. And so when it comes to the call itself, I understand. Like, I'm not one of those people that is going to say, no, that's not offensive pass interference. It's just hand fighting. You know, I'm not going to do that. My issue is when the game is on the line and the the contact is back and forth, you know, I I don't like blowing the whistle when it's going to affect the outcome, you know, on the last drive of the game. You know, in basketball, we talk about all the time how in the last minute we would like to see the refs kind of take a step back and only call some shit if it is egregious, like if it has to be called. That's kind of how I feel about these OPI calls. Like, yes, were, were they offensive pass interference? Yes. Yes, they were. But in the spots where they were called, man, I would rather see a no call in those situations. Like if you're if it's the fourth quarter and and it's the last drive and you're on defense, man up. You know, you know that that push is coming. It's not like you don't know it's coming. The problem is, the problem is if I grab you, if I grab that arm holding instant first down game can't end. That's the that's the worst that can happen. I mean, that's the least of it. We've seen some games where they swallow the whistle on that end, too. And, And. but for years, we saw a play in the Dallas game where Jared Goff got literally punched in the face after a throw. It resulted in a pick. Where was the call? Yeah, that it was is bad. okay. And at the end of the game, we want to blame that OPI. No, 
You wouldn't have been in that game if the refs hadn't already given you one. I, I, well, I'm, I'm with you. It's fair. I just, when I'm watching, specifically when I'm watching the Bengals game. Okay. I see A.J. Green make the same move that I see on every single fade yep. ever. In yep. The ends. And you know and what? It's game get, winner, and it gets get called. They, they pull it back. The Bengals lose. Get better. I just, uh, get better. You know? Like, if it was a blatant, like, a super egregious push-off, yes, throw it. But when the two guys are fighting at the goal line for the ball and then you just get the, the last push, that's what you're really getting called for for that yes. last bit of contact, I don't yep. like it. I'm all for it if you're pushing, if you are extending that. If that elbow moves away from your body to straighten out, I call it every single time. And I believe it should be called every single time. A.J. Green is 6'4". He should be able to come down with that ball anyway. Don't get the separation. He didn't need it. The honest truth is he didn't need it for that round. He came, He knew. He already has the advantage of knowing where that ball is going to be. You know what you got to do? Be the bigger man that you already are. You're already bigger than him. You already know where the ball's going. Why do you even need that? To get separation? No, that, that's, that's not allowed. It's not allowed. I love it. I'm I'm head over heels with it. You don't need it. You know, if you come down to the end of the game and you go, you're one throw away from, from winning and you throw to the corner of the end zone and A.J. Green's hand fighting and both players go up and make that catch, thing is Joe Burrow threw that ball up and to the right anyway where only A.J. Green could have gotten to it if he just ran the route. There was no need to push off. Separate him. Slap the hands down. You don't have to extend. Do the lineman trick. You slap the hands down and turn around. The refs will never call it if you slap their hands down. Here's the better news. You try to slap their hands down as a wide receiver and you can't, the refs are going to see that they're holding him and they're going to call that penalty anyway. So get that hand. So the, the reason why every wide receiver does it is because the NFL has let it go on forever. Corners have been at such a disadvantage. The wide receivers at the top of their route, and what do they do? They break right, fully extend, and push the guy to the left. How are you going to catch a guy that runs a 440? You're not. 40-yard dash time for A.J. Green, 4.5, height 6.4. What, what, what corner has that size? Jalen Ramsey, that's it. I'm let, all let me for ask you it. This, then. I'm all let, for it. Let me put you in the position of the ref. Yeah. On that A.J. Green play specifically. Are you throwing the flag there if that's you? 100%. Every time. I, I mean, it would be tough. See, I love seeing good defense. That's good defense. I hate when an offensive player that already has all the advantages is now given another huge advantage, especially for timing routes. I know where the ball's supposed to be. I know when it's supposed to be. If I disrupt you by a quarter of a second as a DB, that's a touchdown. It was, it, that's, an, and here's the thing, it's clear OPI. Like, we're arguing, uh, and not us particularly, but the general public is arguing because it's new that they're enforcing it. Not that the rule wasn't right. We're mad that they're enforcing it. Think about that. Think about what the defense has had to deal with forever. Yeah, I'm not going to lie, I'm, I'm on that side of it. I 100% recognize that that is a, a foul, that it, that's a penalty. But, uh, so you, you haven't know, called wearing, it in the past. Uh, if I'm wearing the ref uniform, I might swallow that whistle. See, that's the problem. That's where you need to be able to officiate the game at your best. 
You come in there and you go, no, 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 AJ Green. You actually would have been fine if you just ran and caught that ball. See, especially when you're in the end zone. You know, you all you have to do is complete the process of the catch. You catch the ball two feet in down, two feet inbounds. He was right on the corner. All he's got to do there is stick two feet, th- and then this third, third step steps out. Or stick two feet and fall to the ground. Touchdown. Touchdown 100 times out of 100. It's a touchdown nonstop. I, I just have a big problem with uh, these, these defensive backs have been put in such a position for so long that it just hurts them. I mean, here are the cornerbacks playing for the Chargers. Uh, Chris Harris Jr., great quarterback, 31 years old, height 5 foot 10. Um, Kenneth Murray Jr., 6 foot 2. So A.J. Green had 2 inches on one of them and 6 on the other. Don't extend your arm. Be the better player. I'm for rules that let the better player win. That's why this should be enforced. Did Jalen Ramsey flop a little bit on Gallup? Sure. Sure. 100%. Sure, I get it. Be a better player. You want to slap his hands away? I get it. If there's going to be some bad calls where they call the offensive players back a couple times, how many years (laughs) have we watched the offense get away with it? You know, quarterbacks flop for things all the time. Let the defense flop for it. The quarterbacks flop nonstop about everything. Wide receivers flop. So, uh, you know. Okay, let me let me flip that on you a little bit. Because I felt like in both cases that we're talking about here, both with Casey Hayward and with Jalen Ramsey, I felt like they both flopped. That's what I felt. They sold the contact and they got the call. That's how I felt watching it. I think part of it, I think Jalen Ramsey flopped. I didn't. I didn't think it really happened in the other situation. I think Jalen Ramsey flopped uh, unequivocally. Um, but I also think there was enough contact there to draw a flop. Uh, this also goes back to my rules of why don't I have refs watching every one-on-one matchup or watching better positions of the field? But uh, I'm okay with that call evening out over a span of a game. When I talk about bad calls and we say the OPI cost them. The Rams, Jared Goff got literally punched in the face, which was a hundred times more egregious than what happened to Gallup. It, it, it is. They're just not even on the same playing field. And and if we're going to talk about one, we have to talk about the other. At the end of the day, the, the, the poorest calls balanced out. And you just lost. You just lost. You didn't lose on the last drive. You lost the whole way. You weren't winning to start that drive. So don't tell me you lost in the last drive. You needed the last drive to try to win the game. You were losing before that, believe it or not. So the last play of the drive, sure. Can games come down to one drive? Yeah, 100%. The best games normally do. But the best players make the best plays. Jalen Ramsey was the best player on that field at that time. And he made the best play. Whether aided by officials or not. So... You know, I, I go with that. I, I, I don't think it affected the outcome of the game in any way, shape, or form. I think it evened out from earlier. So let's slide over to our reviews this week. Our Thursday night game is a kakapupu game. Um, we have the Denver, Denver, geez. We have the Cleveland Browns versus the Cincinnati Bengals. <sighs> Bro, I'm not going to lie to you. I do not want to even watch this game. Yeah, I'm... Because I love football. Yeah. But this will be one of those games where I'm kind of doing other stuff. If there's some playoff basketball on, I'm probably going to just flip back and forth. 
Yeah, this, I might not even go back and forth, really. <laughs> this is going to be a little tough. Um, the Bengals, uh, this is a 43-and-a-half over, Browns minus six. I like the Browns to win this game. Uh, I think the Browns aren't as bad as the Ravens made them look on Sunday. Uh, the, the Ravens basically came out in that game. The Browns said, we, the Browns sold out to stop the run. Sold the whole house every single play to stop the run. And the Ravens said, you don't get it. We don't do that. <laughs> and then threw the ball all over them all day long. The Browns were just outclassed. It's not their fault. They were just outclassed. So they're going to get a chance to bounce back against the Bengals. I think the Bengals played. I think we watched two of the worst five teams in the NFL play last week in the Chargers and the Bengals. And the Bengals lost. Um, this is a team where the, the Browns actually just released their kicker and the Bengals signed them. So there might be a little, uh, yeah, there might be a little redemption tour in there somewhere. But uh, for this game, I'm going to take the Browns minus the six points. I may play around with this in a teaser to try to get something that works a little better. I do pick every single game. Uh, if I'm looking for things, look for Joe Burrow to just keep improving. Uh, this is a Browns team that can put pressure on them in a way the, San, uh, the L.A. Chargers can't. The L.A. Chargers don't score points. They won't score points. The Bengals do not have a good defense. The Chargers uh, limiting themselves to 16 points is one of the more alarming things for a long-term season. Uh, so we'll skip through this game. I, I, I like the Browns to cover. Look for Joe Burrow to just make strides. That's the only thing you can look for. And he's going to have bad games. How does he react to them? I have nothing to add on this game. Like I said before, I really could care less about this matchup. But can I share with you my worst take of all time that is actually related to this matchup? Yes. My worst take, at least that I've stated publicly, of all time, I really thought Baker Mayfield was going to be the best quarterback in his draft class. Oh, yeah. <laughs> looking like he might be the worst. Well, Josh Rosen was already cut three times. so Okay, he all right. can't One of the be worst. Rosen, but he can be right now. Right now as it stands, it's Lamar, and then you flip a couple pages, and there's Josh Allen, and Josh Allen's under bad quarterbacks, and then you flip a page, and there's Sam Darnold, and then on that Sam page is Sam Darnold is Baker Mayfield. And that's alarming because Sam Darnold hasn't had one of the weapons that B Baker Mayfield's had. Right. Sam Darnold's never played with the caliber of tight end of David Njoku, who's now lost for the season, but... Um, some some of Baker Mayfield's second and third options are better than the Jets' first option. So yeah. Oh, big time! Uh, both running backs are better than anything they have in uh, New York. Both wide receivers in Odell and both Landry. Tight both tight ends. I mean, literally, Baker Mayfield has two better weapons at every single position. So you you know what? You, you you're right. Baker right now is right next to Rosen, and, and it's like a one. You know. Rosen didn't have nearly the opportunities. He must be so putrid in practice that they can't even get him out there. But Nathan Peterman started games and, and threw five picks and a half. I don't know. So, Baker Mayfield is... Easily my worst take of all time. Easily. Yeah. My worst sports take, at least. That's a tough one. I'm still struggling with the Josh Allen's a bad quarterback, but I'm going to I'm gonna have faith that time, time, yields, uh, time yields that slot to me. Um Let's slide into a bunch of the dog fights that we're going to get through the weekend. What we're going to highlight this weekend is two games. We're going to highlight three games in total, but two games that uh, do or die? 
Are we talking do or die in week two? Let's start I like with, it. Let's start with the first ones. Vikings, Colts. Let's talk about what they're up against for a second. The Vikings and Colts are both 0-1 with playoff aspirations. Starting 0-2 isn't going to be great. Now, the Colts have the luxury that they have some division games left, but they already lost to Jacksonville. Jacksonville was universally going to be worse than Houston and Tennessee. So what is Indianapolis? They suffer injuries early in that game with Marlon Mack going down. They really never get their get themselves back and upright. Jacksonville gets in a groove. Gardner Minshew goes super saying something that he is not going to do, completing 95% of his passes in other games. But Colts-Vikes, I mean, this is almost must win. 0-2 is tough. Now, luckily, both these teams play in the divisions, like we said, that, that kind of have a lot of unknowns. But, Leo, what what's going to happen here? Kirk Cousins goes 0-2. Are they looking up from the at the roof of the church? You know, are they are they in the casket? I, you know, to be honest with you, this is this might be on my TV on the main TV this weekend. I might not even throw Red Zone on there. I might just have to throw this matchup on there at 1 p.m. because this one's big. I know it's only week two, and I know that you can come back from 2 but I think that the division winners in both of these divisions, which I think are going to be Green Bay and Tennessee, uh, they may start off 2-0, and and that's... N- you know, in either team's case, that's not the kind of hole you want to get into. And I think especially for the Colts, you know, I, I name them as my my team to keep an eye on for emergency watch because I, I don't think that they're built to go on a huge, you know, eight, nine game win streak. Or I don't I don't see them with Rivers winning 10 of their last 12. You know, one of those streaks that you would need to go on if you start cold. So this game's going to be very interesting. Neither team looked that great in game one. Uh I like the Vikings, I think. I'm not sure, to be honest, because the Vikings' defense looked like asshole in week one. I like the Vikings to win this game. Um, I think their weapons are better. I think the truth is about Indy, if you give up 95% completion percentage to Gardner Minshew, your defense might not be that good. Also, if you don't, if you don't, Cousins is one of the more efficient quarterbacks in the league. So, what is he about to do to them? Right, and then we add on fact that the Colts' offense couldn't get going. Let's talk about the Jaguars for one second. I don't mean to put them down, but they basically spent the entire offseason cutting anyone who had any type of discernible talent. Um, they they trade uh, they trade AJ Bouye. They trade Ngakwe, and and three months prior to that, they trade away Jalen Ramsey. Okay, so your best defensive, your best pass rusher, your two best corners. Okay, I I just, from a schematic standpoint, you aren't a team that won 13 games. You are a team that struggled to win any. And the games you did win, you didn't look great. Now, you may have caught the Colts who aren't really getting things going. I like Frank Wright. But that's what you're dealing with. On the offensive side of the ball, the Jaguars actually have some decent weapons. Um, and when I say decent, a passable. But they trade their running back to go with somebody. Uh, and, and yet they're able to stick out this win efficiently, too. No pressure, really, on the Jacksonville Jaguars in this game to make it happen. They got to hung around. They played spoiler. Uh, the Colts are going to have to turn this train around fast, at least in the Minnesota game. Minnesota put up 34 points. They did get down, and they had to play catch-up. But they did do it. So I look at this game as, I think the Colts run with it. I mean, I think the Vikings run away with this, and I think the Colts the Colts are in the danger-fucking zone. Yeah, <clears throat> like you were saying about the Jags, I just want to touch on that real quick. It looks like 
you know, from an outsider's perspective, it looks like the Jags traded talent for hunger. That's what it looked like to me. And now they, they got a bunch of young, scrappy, hungry guys out there. That might not end up in eight, nine, ten wins, but I think from what I saw in week one, it looks like they're going to field a respectable team because their roster looks like they give a shit. Some yeah. of the people that they traded away didn't look like they were giving a shit so much by the end of last year. So, yeah, maybe a good adjustment by the uh, by the Jags. Maybe addition by subtraction. But I'm with you. I have the Vikings winning this one over the Colts. Uh, the Colts starting off 0-2, that would be rough. That would be rough for their playoff aspirations. One of them has to. Let's flip to another game, which may be a must-win. The Atlanta Falcons are 0-1 against the Dallas Cowboys, who are 0-1. This game is going to be a dogfight because the Falcons are gonna fucking throw the ball all day every day and if Dallas wants to stick to their game plan and run on every first down that's possible they could be looking up at a 21 to 3 score before they get going the 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 Falcons struggled to put the ball in the end zone but they moved the ball at ease up and down I think that continues. The Cowboys are already suffering injuries on the defensive side. They lose Vander Esch. That's the middle of their defense. I think that this could be, this is danger, danger, danger zone for the Cowboys. You fall to 0-2 and the sky and pressure will collapse. And what we're going to need to talk about after that game is the fact that Jerry Jones made the right decision by not giving Dak Prescott that contract. Matt Ryan started off his season with 450 yards passing. Yeah, we'll, we'll, I, just, I just want to throw that out there. We'll get to my passing year. Uh, you know, I did have him. I did have him as my passing yearly yardage leader. 8-1. to one. He's off to a great start. 450. He's got 150 yards on everybody. <laughs> yeah, I love it. Yeah, no, but like you, I think I actually think this is going to be a shootout. I think that we should look at the over for this one. It looks like the Cowboys line star linebacker Vander Esch is going to miss a few weeks. That's going to make him a little more vulnerable. Uh, Matt Ryan doesn't really need you to be any more vulnerable to be able to pick that pick that defense apart. And so I'm, I'm not really sure what I think about the winner. I actually kind of think I like the Cowboys winning this one, but I think it's going to be a high-scoring game. Yep. Dak Prescott, he better come ready to throw because Matt Ryan, you know he's coming with that cannon. This is a game on turf for two turf teams. Two indoor, like to play fast, going to get to play fast. Both teams need to win. Hunger game, overs 52 and a half. I'm going to bang the over in that game. I like a 34-27 game. I like to cover the over by 10. Um, Cowboys are getting five. I may tease this. I may go Falcon. Uh, I may see. I don't even know who's going to win this game, but I do like the over-under. So 52 is where I'm going to sit. I'm going to, I'm going to let that simmer for a little bit. Uh, yeah, I agree with you. I, I'm not sure as of right now who the winner is going to be. I just know that points will be scored yeah there will be blood uh final game that we want to highlight uh which i think we both agree is the best game of the weekend um there was some chance at the beginning of the year that it was ravens texans that was the best game of the weekend but um there's going to be no saving the texans on sunday uh the patriots and seahawks (sighs) frosty uh, we get kind of a reunion matchup from Cam Newton's early years when he was bashing against Russell Wilson. Um, we get Seahawks, Patriots. They're going to be the Sunday night game. 
Seahawks are favored by four. Bill Belichick is in love with a team that runs the ball and plays defense. The Patriots run the ball and play defense. I think Seattle crushes them Sunday night. How do you see this going? Mm, I don't see it going that way. I actually think I do like the Seahawks to win the matchup, but I don't think that it's going to be a blowout. I think that both of these teams, they want to run the ball. I don't believe that the Seahawks are going to let Russ cook all year. Um, And I don't think that this is the matchup to try and let him cook either. Uh, Atlanta, that was primed for him to do exactly what he did. When I saw what Russell Wilson did after week one, I was not the least bit surprised because of his opponent. But New England secondary is a little bit more respectable than Atlanta's is. I don't expect Russell Wilson to just be out there throwing, you know, whatever he wants, whenever he wants. Uh, I think this is going to be a grinded out game. I do think I I like the Seahawks in this matchup, but I think that this game is going to be one of those maybe 20 to 17 type deals. I I don't see this being a blowout either way. I think both teams want to run the ball. Both teams are going to run the ball. And it's going to come down to whose defense can get more stops. Uh, I like the Patriots' defense better than I like the Seahawks' defense, but obviously the Seahawks have a lot more firepower on offense. Uh, It's strength versus strength. Uh, I think this this is going to be a close one. I think when we've looked the past couple years, when you look at a dual-threat quarterback and what they do to Bill Belichick, you are looking at uh, Patrick Mahomes, Lamar Jackson, Russell Wilson. When you take those three against the Patriots in frequent in, in recent years, you know you can go back to before uh, Patrick Mahomes got into the NFL and Russell Wilson beats him in one Super Bowl, loses the other on a terrible goal line play. Kansas City has had no problems scoring against New England in Mahomes' career. The Kansas City's had no problem scoring on anyone in Mahomes' career. Right. Uh, Lamar Jackson ate the Patriots alive last year. Alive. Just destroyed him. Russell Wilson's going to destroy this Patriots team. This is a revenge tour for Russell Wilson. This is a let Russ cook tour. I don't see it stopping. I don't think the Patriots are the horses to stop him. I don't think they have a way to get pressure on Russell Wilson. When Russell Wilson's allowed to just stand back there all day, he can throw the ball. I got news for everybody. Ryan Fitzpatrick is a fun quarterback. He ain't any good. He threw two picks in the end zone last week. He doesn't throw one of those, and that Patriots game is awfully close. And that is a hapless Miami team. And the only reason why Miami was in that game was because they're well-coached, and I think they've got the right attitude. We were talking about spunky winners that don't have talent. Um, That's their whole, that was the whole shtick. I think this is just a team that is going to outclass them. Who's your answer on offense? Who are you throwing the ball to to keep up? You can run the ball to control it, but the Seattle Seahawks can just jump on you, and that can be the end of the game. And they can jump on on you quick. Before we get too excited saying who are we going to throw to, I know Atlanta has much better weapons than New England does, but they just gave up 450 yards passing. I think that Cam will be able to do something. It might not be 450, but he should be able to move the ball. I I think when you talk about uh, the, the passing that was allowed in the Atlanta game, most of it was late. Most of it was was game was out of hand. Uh, the they they were up thirty eight 
kind of early. They did score uh, 10 in the fourth quarter. Um, but it, it's 28-12 in the third. This was an Atlanta team that had to throw to even try to catch up, though, 54 times. Uh, Matt Ryan threw 54 times for 450 yards. Cam Newton, if Cam Newton throws 30 times, the Patriots are in trouble. And that's the problem. If you throw 37 out of 54 passes, you are going to get 400 yards. But that normally means you were getting your clock clean for most of the game. And that's what happened. I really don't see how the Patriots are going to keep this within a 10-point game. I, I love Cam Newton, um, but I saw a Patriots team last year that couldn't get it done at times against teams that could get up and throw the ball. Uh, and, and, you know, it's a nice matchup against Miami, and I'm sure to be wrong against Bill Belichick a couple times this year. I'm going to take the brain trust and overall talent of the Seattle Seahawks against Bill Belichick's team on Sunday Night Football. So. To be clear, I, I have the Seahawks winning as well. I just don't think it's going to be a blowout. I think it's going to be a close one. I don't see Bill Belichick getting embarrassed on primetime in his first primetime appearance of the year. I don't see it. Bill Belichick doesn't care when the game's played. That's something important to note. Bill Belichick coaches every game as if he wants to win. I don't think primetime makes a big deal for him. Um, I think Cam Newton looked a little rusty at times. I don't really know who he's going to throw it to. I'm worried about I think this is one of those games where you go, okay, the Patriots aren't that top echelon team. They're now more of the gatekeeper. If you beat the Seahawks, you're a top echelon team, period. And I'll eat that crow. If you don't beat the Seahawks in this game, you're the gatekeeper in the AFC. And that's fine. Everyone needs gatekeepers. But you're no longer the upper echelon. And I don't think they I think they fell out of that spot last year. I think they're I think they're gonna do that. Alright, so I'm gonna break down now uh, the season long bets that I've had and how they're doing week one. We'll just run through them really quick. I've Matt Ryan to be the yardage leader. Right now he is the yardage leader. Had him at eight to one. Um I had Drew Locke, yardage leaders, and outcast at 40 to 1. That's up in the air. Doesn't look great. Uh, Dallas to win the division looks like it might be a little bit on ice. Packers to win the division looks frosty. Lamar Mahomes, MVP bet. I tandemed them together. I don't know anybody who could take the one seat away from Lamar or Mahomes right now. Uh, teams to make the playoffs that aren't looking really well. I had the Falcons to make it. Broncos and Houston, all those look like they might be on ice. Uh, Green Bay, Steelers, Seahawks, Titans, all those look pretty good. Uh, first coach fired, I have Adam Gase and Matt Nagy. Oh, that Matt Nagy bet would have looked real good if Detroit would have came back and won. Instead, it kind of moves the favor in the other odds for Matt Patricia. Uh, Matt Patricia is kind of probably taking my one seat right now, but I do have Adam Gase at 8-1 to one to be the first coach fired, and that looks pretty good. Last winless team is the Panthers. Whew. The last win this team is actually going to be the Houston Texans. That's disappointing because I've identified that a little late. Uh, the Panthers are going to get a couple easy easy wins early on that, that I really should have looked harder into. That's a miss on me. Over-unders that are looking pretty good. Uh, I have the Panthers under 5.5. You lose to Las Vegas. There aren't going to be many teams worse than them. Green Bay over 9, right on target. Philly under 9.5. They just lose to Washington. Los Angeles Chargers under 7.5. I feel comfortable about that. Uh, Dallas over 9.5, yikes. Uh, Broncos over 7.5, I think that's chugging right along. And then I have Washington over 5.5. And, 
and that looks great as well. So uh, right now, where I'm standing is pretty good. A lot of my long shots are doing well. A lot of my uh, a, a lot of the ones that I was kind of on edge with aren't 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 shaping up well. But every week I'll give you a quick run through. Uh, in totality, I bet twenty five hundred dollars, and well, actually it's two thousand five hundred and thirty dollars on all these bets. Uh, we'll give you the returns as they pay through. So let's now turn to something a little different. NBA. We are getting closer to the finals, and with that, we see and have to make our series predictions. Right now, I crawl one spot back in. Uh, I had the 76ers and OKC winning their series. They lost. Leah went through a clean sweep 8-0. Second round, uh, we all have the clip. We all took the Celtics. We all took the Lakers. We both have the Clippers. Which comes down to tonight. But the Bucks and the Heat is where we differed. I took my little Heat and I, in fuego, make it to the next round. So this is a chance for me. Who do you got? Man, so I came into this episode with my pick ready. But now that you just went on that little spiel, I kind of want to change my pick up just to try and pick up a win here. But I'm going to stick with my guns uh, for this Actually, no. No, no damn I'm, you, I'm, damn I'm, you. I know what you're going to do to me. Go for it. I'm going to stick with my prediction from before the playoffs started that the Celtics were the sleeper to make the okay. finals. I'm going to take Boston in seven. I was I came in here prepared to take the Heat, Ooh. but now I'm going with Boston. i got to take the Heat. I've ridden the Heat. Um, I, I do like the Heat, although we are, we are inching closer to when I said that it'll be Lakers-Celtics because that's what the NBA needs and that's what the NBA will get. Uh, the Clippers now, I thought they were going to be a walk-in, but they're knocking on the door of elimination tonight. I mean, that's a hot ticket to buy. Uh, you like Celtics. Look, man, hey, when we did our preview of the series, I remember, uh, if I'm remembering correctly, and you correct me if I'm wrong, but I think that you said that the Clippers should win in four. Easy. And I jokingly said that I was going to give Murray and Jokic respect and say six. Yeah. I didn't think it was actually going to go that far, and I definitely didn't think it was going seven. What do you think about that matchup tonight, actually? Let's talk about the game seven. I, I got... Boston winning in seven. You have the Heat in how many? Uh, I uh, I think that series is seven. I think it's got seven, seven written all over it. All right, you got Heat in seven. I got Boston in seven. So Denver and Los Angeles, what do you think about this game seven tonight? Because if you would have asked me about a week ago, I would say that the Clippers are going to close that series out easily and we're going to get the two L.A. teams. But after seeing Denver claw their way back, I'm not – just sold on the fact that the Clippers win this tonight. So here's the thing. We both said that the Lakers needed to hurry up. I believe what we said was the Lakers needed to hurry up and finish their series because the Clippers were already going to be waiting and that yeah, the Lakers yeah, wouldn't want to give that. them any rest. So now we owe just all the laurels to the Nuggets for bringing this back. No, uh, I, I say no business. I'm dead wrong. They brought a three-win back from the brink of collapse against Utah. They bring a three-win back to today. If they win tonight, that's one of the all-time great back-to-back comebacks in the NBA history, really. Two three-to-one eliminations, bringing it all the way back, winning three straight to knock the other team out when you weren't favored in either of them. The Denver Nuggets are a good young team. That is 
is collectively playing defense and looks focused. Uh, could we get, how crazy is this? How about a Nuggets Heat Finals? You know, the basketball fan in me would love to see Jokic versus Adebayo for a series, but the NBA would hate that. Yeah, big time. <laughs> They'd probably throw up in their mouths. Adam Silver would have to vomit after that. Yeah. I, I Let think... me ask you a question. I didn't prepare you for this in any way, but I asked my friend this the other day. I think you know which way I lean, but I think it's a conversation at this point. Who would you rather have, Nikola Jokic or Anthony Davis? Um... Huh. What Jokic is doing over the last couple of games, really in these playoffs, has been so impressive. So Anthony, impressive. Anthony, but AD, yeah. you know what time it is with AD. You I know, don't need to hype him up. That's you know the real is. thing. But, my, you know the interesting part there is I don't think you lose taking either. I, 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 I haven't seen the killer I'm going to destroy you from AD that I've, I've been looking for, but at the same time we haven't needed it to come out. We saw it out of LeBron. LeBron... LeBron goes on war paths and that's the end of the ball game. Um, but Jokic, you just can't count out. Like this, it's like this silly little jester that's got tricks for you, and he's just like, Ooh, you know, I'm doubled, I'm doubled. Oh no, falling away. Three. You're like, that's fucked, man. And then he runs the down. Joker. The, then he runs down the court, gets the ball three, and you're like, what is happening here? You double him, he dishes off to Murray, easy two. You step over to Murray, you dish to Jokic, who's standing on the three-point line, banging your eye. I mean, I don't think you can lose. I think that's one of the good toss-up questions. It's like if I said, okay, you've got to win one game, you're going LeBron or Kawhi. You're like, I don't care. <laughs> right, I'll take either one, really. Both. You know, like, oh, oh, okay, you have one game to win. Who do you want, LeBron or Kawhi? I don't know. Am I a Laker fan? I'm telling you, I'm telling you, LeBron. You know, if I'm if I'm not a Laker fan, I'm probably I'm still might take LeBron. Like that's the thing you can't lose. I don't feel like I'm in a losing situation. I think AD is more of a physical freak, and and I would take AD uh, just because he looks like the whole entire package. Uh, Jokic, I don't think you know this is going to sound vain, but from a physical standpoint, that's what I'm going to cut this thing down to. Um, I'm going to take the more physically dominating, imposing looking player um, because that's the hairs I'm splitting. Uh, the better shooter, toss up, who can play inside the box, who plays, but Anthony Davis plays better defense. So we're probably going to go defense and overall physical appearance, and it comes down to AD. But you might go, well, Jokic is never injured. And then I go, whoa, <laughs> you might be able to lead me that way. I think that's a great question. I don't think you can be wrong. So I've seen both of them play in person within the last two seasons. I saw Jokic earlier this season, and I saw AD last season. So, I, I you know, in watching them both in person, I, they both elicit very different reactions from me. I, when I saw Anthony Davis, I was out there looking at him like, wow, look at this physical specimen. that He jumps through the roof. He's catching every lob. He's at the rim with every block. Like, he looked like a physical, just a beast, you know? When I see Jokic play, I'm wowed in a whole different way. You know, when I when I was in uh, in Denver to watch their game, it was actually the day Kobe passed away. Rest in peace, Kobe. Uh, Jokic, he just, the way he controls the game, I feel like on offense he can control the game in a way that Anthony Davis can't because you saw him walk walking the ball up the court to initiate the offense. Yep. You saw the offense flowing through him, him being the primary playmaker. It's, 
it's a toss-up, like you said. You can't go wrong either way. But in seeing both of them in person, it's funny how they play the same position, but they elicit opposite reactions. You know, with, with AD, it's, wow, look at this specimen, you know? And with Jokic, it's like, wow, you look like shit, but you are skilled. Yeah. And, and I think... I, I like I said I don't think you can really go wrong with either one, um, and I we might get a chance to watch them. We're gonna find out, right? <laughs> Just I kind of hope that we do. Honestly, I would love to see an AD versus Jokic matchup. All right, we're gonna get out of here now. Wrapping that up. That's your NFL talk for the week. We're gonna be dropping our picks. Uh, we went, I believe, our pod went two and one. Uh, my best bets went five and one. I went eight and eight picking every game, which is fine. I hit a 50 to one parlay, which is fine. And I hit my teaser for the week. So uh, you can lock into us if you want to win money. You can listen to us if you want to get smarter. But always stay safe, rate, subscribe, review. You can find me, Pick and Play 37. You can find Leo, Pick and Scroll. Find us on Twitter. Ask us. Listen to us, rate, subscribe, review. Everyone, take care.